would never lie to you guys. Like, I wouldn't start a show by saying, I'm not one to say I told you so, because I am absolutely one to say I told you so. I will totally pat myself on the back, and that's how we're starting this show off. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Just a power hour tonight, because we're taking you right up to the NBA playoffs right here on ESPN Radio. Tonight, the Nets host the Bucks, game six of their series, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Uh, let's just get right down to the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Last night, the show was on. We were closing out Spain and Fitz as we were watching the start of the Sixers game. And while many people may have been prisoners of the moment, many people, none of them will be named, many people may have been prisoners of the moment watching the Sixers get off to quite a lead. I was watching and thinking to myself, hmm, am I aware of the history of the Sixers organization? Yes, yes, I am. Also, was I watching the last game and I watched as they completely blew a giant lead and Joel Embiid hobbled down the stretch and their holes were all exploded? Yes, yes, I was. And that caused me to say this with a giant lead for the Sixers happening at that given moment. If we react to the game as it is now, we would be foolhardy because the last game looked pretty similar to this early on. And over the course of it, the Hawks just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and put themselves in a position to close. So I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment and assume that all is well and fixed for the Sixers. They need Embiid to stay effective for the entire game and not have that knee act up. And they need to keep vigilant and not let the holes in their game, which right now is is Ben Simmons at the line for sure, prevent them from closing out. So this is far from uh, certainty at this point. This is not sixty-two to thirty-six. I'm not. It's. I'm not. I'm not forgetting the history of the Sixers. I'm trusting the process. I just don't know what part of the process we're in. Yeah. So uh, what happened in the game? Well, let's see. Sixers collapsed again. Embiid missed a couple late free throws, but I mean, at least Embiid was one of the two people from the team that hit a field goal in the second half. Ben Simmons setting more records for number of free throws missed in a playoff game. Uh, Pablo Torre coming at me about how it wasn't a good strategy to foul him early, and I said, how about it's taking him out of his game, slowing down their offense, hurting his confidence, potentially preventing him from being effective later. All of those things happened, and here we are watching the Hawks team that many people didn't think would even get here look like they are likely to advance, Fitz. I think the important thing to stress right now is how right Spain and Fitz the yeah. show was last oh, night mm. when it comes to mm-hmm. certain things. Like, we win as a mm-hmm. team, we lose as a team, oh, right? Like, so, okay. We'll just we'll go with that. <laughs> Look, I, I was watching it, and the number of times I was thinking, not again, not again, not again. And that's all. I was looking at my phone, and, you know, fourth wall, we'll peel it down. We were texting each other as it ended, and it's like, oh! My bad. Like you just you're watching it happen, especially in the fourth quarter, thinking this can't happen on back to back nights again. This can't happen to a team like the 76ers that have some talent. Uh, They have a substantial amount of talent and they have experience. Like at some point you expect that that old adage of we're going to dig down to the experience we have in the past. We're going to use it to get us through these moments. And they absolutely just couldn't get out of their own way. I mean, Ben Simmons was abysmal, but the team as a whole just fell apart and I kept thinking this doesn't happen in back-to-back even with 30 Mm -hmm. seconds left I thought you know what there's still a chance that this ekes out and I don't feel so dumb and then no no it just did not work out for me at all yeah it didn't work out for you it also didn't work out for the Sixers and I mean I 
I expect teams to get a little chesty when they've got a big lead. I would think a team like the Sixers would remember their past and perhaps not send out a tweet with a big lead that says, is this when we're supposed to be, uh, is this when we're supposed to feel tired with a little yawning emoji when they were up 62-40 and then they got progressively more and more fatigued and brought out of the game. And here we are. Anthony Gargano of 97.5, the Fanatic, was on with KJNZ this morning. And this goes beyond frustration with the entire team for the collapse. And a lot of fingers pointed at one man, Ben Simmons. Quite frankly, as much as I love the kid, Ben's been a, a colossal disappointment. Look, if the kid's not going to score and, and just completely disappear, the, listen, the fans are done with him. I'll tell you right off the bat. Really? Like, the more you disappear... That's it. Yeah, you become indefensible. Mm. It's I mean, such a talented player when he's at his best, but at his worst, a massive liability. Well, and the massive li- – you saw him get in his own head, and at some point you just – I don't know how you fix that at that level. You know, it, when you've got the yips, as we've talked about before, I just don't know what, what writes the ship. And you're right. It, it looked like all of the – you know, fouling strategy in the first half was actually paying dividends as this game wore on. The 76ers, by the way, the only team to blow an 18-plus point lead in back-to-back playoff games in the last 25 years. And you're talking about the third largest halftime comeback win in NBA postseason history. I mean, when you put that perspective around it and you think about this young Hawks team, what I felt like was, and this makes no sense, the 76ers got in their own head. And then this Hawks team that just seems to be oblivious to anything just kept doing their thing. And at some point, it works. I mean, you mentioned it last night. Trey Young started particularly slow, but you knew he was going to heat up, right? Like, mm-hmm. we see this every time. Like, Trey Young is not phased by the shots he misses or the way a game starts. He's very consistent in his approach throughout the course of a game. And that's the exact opposite of what we saw from Simmons, unless you want to say it's consistently bad. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. That's the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. We also can't move on to the second game last night without addressing Doc Rivers. A a, a beloved coach on every account, whether that's his dealing with teammates and team members and social issues to his X's and O's. But he has had five of the largest blown leads in the last two postseasons. Tell me what's similar about all of the coaches (laughs) – On this list with him, Rick Carlisle, Brad Stevens, (laughs) and Mike Budenholzer. Now, Mike Budenholzer still has a job and a chance to save his job, but his seat has has left being a hot and is more of an ejector at this point, right? It is not full of flames. It is an ejector seat. Um, And if you look, the top largest blown leads in the last two postseasons – 26 points by the 76ers this year, 21 points by the Clippers last year, 19 points by the Clippers last year, then go down 18 points by the Sixers this year, 16 points by the Clippers last year. This is a guy who, for whatever reason, can't control his team down the stretch. Yeah, at some point, it's not everybody that you date that's crazy. you got to look in the right. mirror and figure out that you're the problem. And that's, I mean, that's going to be the inevitability of all of this. There's, Philly's going to have to really look in the mirror if they lose this series and ask tough questions about roster construction and on whether or not they've got the guys they need, but also do they have everything in place with a, an organization that has to feel really disappointed the way everything has gone down this year to find themselves in the situation they're in. Let's talk about the second half quickly. Ramona Shelburne's going to join us later and really get into it. But this was the response from Donovan Mitchell to the Jazz dropping a game to the Clippers that by all accounts we thought they'd win with Kawhi Leonard off the court. 
sucks um i ain't got nothing else to say like you know it's just it's tough when you you're, you're trying different things that you normally do and you see spots you can get to but you can't so you got to find a way to make it make it happen it's tough but i gotta find a way otherwise i'm gonna be home and you know i said it last year that we didn't do all this and i said during the year we didn't do all this to lose in the second round so gotta figure it out otherwise that's it excuse my language you are excused it was a rough one it was an ugly one Paul George, 37 points, shot 12 of 22 from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, had a playoff career high, 16 rebounds. As Rachel Nichols said today, more Pacers P than playoff P, and that's what they needed, Fitz. Pretty incredible yeah. showing. But it was also just an epic back-and-forth night for the Jazz when it came to shooting. I mean, first mm. half they couldn't miss, and, and the second half just absolutely abysmal. They shot 13% from three in the second half. That's the third worst in a half in NBA postseason history. And they didn't seem to have any other plan. They were three of 24 in the second half. At some point I thought, you know what, they're going to mix it up and just stop. And they didn't. And so, you know, while that turned out to be fearless for Atlanta, that is absolutely not the case for the Jazz. They It felt like they just were shooting themselves deeper and deeper into the hole. Yeah, it was a shocking tale of two halves to your point. It went got off so hot and then couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't find the bucket in the second half. You wonder if that's veteran presence or, or what that is for that Jazz team. Coming up, we're going to get you set for Nets Bucks. Fitz has a very interesting stat on this game that you need to hear. It's coming up next, ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night, Game 6. Hawks host the 76ers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. All right, we're going to head right over to the Goodyear hotline. There's so much going on right now, trying to figure it all out for the games we're actually watching into the mass chaos happening off the court with everybody trying to figure out who's coaching who and who's running what. So we're going to get some expertise from ESPN.com senior writer Ramona Shelburne. Ramona, thanks so much for the time. What the heck's going on in Dallas? Well, they haven't made it out of the first round of the playoffs in 10 years. So they have a generational talent, Luka Doncic, so there's a little uh, pressure there. <laughs> right? <And> so <laughs> I, I think um, some of this stuff has been simmering. Um, you know, you've, you've been hearing a lot of the talk about Bob Volgaris, the, the, the professional gambler who's running the franchise, who's, who's, you know, very influential in the franchise. Um, I'm a Game of Thrones person, so I think it's like a good little finger comparison, right? Like, who has the influence? Who's got their ear, right? Like, I mean, I think he's got. You're the, going Game of Thrones. I'm going Houston Texans, and they're okay. You know, hire that came in and wiped out half the org. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think um, I think what's going on there is there's two pressure points. One is Luca and keeping Luca happy. Okay, and that some of that is with Carlisle, and and that was you know Tim McMahon and I were talking about it yesterday after what happened with Johnny Nelson, who was the president who was you know they they put in the press release a nice way of putting out oh, mutual no it was not mutual he was fired um and that's some wow i heard that what, it what? sounded like a sono speaker yeah do you have sono or it sounded like she was coming to us via one of those backyard speakers and that is literally the noise it makes when it when it turns off you know i've got uh, got like a, a a monster blaster that says goodbye every time I turn it yeah. off. Okay. I think we've I think got maybe it back. Was Mark Ramona. Cuban listening? He has, he has access to a lot of electronics. Go <laughs> ahead, Ramona. Oh, just like straight up drop call right there. Um, <laughs> no, look, Donnie Nelson's been there for 24, 24 years. I mean, that's like a big move to make. And, you know, they've Mark Cuban's been remarkable at keeping front office consistency and, 
in the coaching in the head coaching spot. But yeah, you know, Donnie had lost his ear. He lost the ear of the owner. And uh, when sometimes when you get into a power struggle and you're on the other side of it, you're like, oh, you sometimes you lose. Okay, so he got fired. Um, that's a big shakeup, and I think they have to consider how does that affect everyone in the team in the front office, and it definitely affects Rick Carlisle, who's very comfortable with Don Nelson as, as his boss, I guess you would phrase it, but I think they're more of a partnership than anything. Um, so that's a, you know, that was a, sometimes one move is a precursor for another. Now, the Rick Carlisle situation, that's kind of been simmering all year, and, and it's just a personality thing. It's not, it's not, and I think it was solvable too. I don't think it was he and Luca. Luca's Luca's not the type to flex. Okay, Luca just wants to play. Um, so I don't think Luca would have gotten into any kind of a power play there. I don't think I think it would have either happened naturally. But Rick Rick one lost a big champion and ally. Didn't like the way things were going, and also recognized he might be on the hot seat uh, going. Well, you know this, and now you don't have your champion in the front office. I mean, we've all been there in those situations. I think Rick and Donnie, they're they're both the type that we thought would be there pretty much for as long as they wanted to be there. So yeah. in Donnie's case, it wasn't a choice. In Rick's case, it was. Ramona, I want to move on, but I want to really quick ask you just a quick answer. Yeah. Um, we know that Vulgaris and maybe Carlisle weren't a perfect fit with Luca. At least that's what the rumors say. But that yeah. he was bummed and said as much on social about Don. Is there any concern for those who are Mavs fans that this is bad for the team's relationship with Luca or his future there? You know what? I don't think so. Um, yeah, you can have, you can be concerned, sure. But the, the truth is, Luka Doncic is going to be eligible to sign a two hundred something million dollar contract. And while he might be bummed or disappointed, you know, whatever, this is what he knows. And these are people he's comfortable with. Um, yeah, that's all. That's true. But are you really not going to sign a two hundred million dollar contract? Right. Right. <laughs> okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, are you really going to do that at this age? I mean, right. that unhappy. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, big... you know, that the story came out about Bob. Like, okay, maybe people don't like him. There's a lot of people there have bad things to say, whatever. But, like, Luke is not going to leave because of some front office guy. Come yeah, on. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like a good relationship <laughs> no. there. Just wanted to make Mavs fans feel a little better. They've been in moment. She's worried. Um, speaking of big contracts, yeah. Paul George doing a little bit better toward earning his yeah. the last couple games, including last night. Is this series over in your estimation because of what we saw PG able to do without Kawhi in the court last night? Nope. I've been around the Clippers <laughs> long enough to know that nothing <laughs> is ever over. <laughs> like, very impressed. Very happy for Paul George and the Clippers. That, that was a great win. Uh, but, I mean, how many times have we done this, there? How many times? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've, mm-hmm. I've done, you know, several 3-1 leads. There was one against Houston where they had a 3-1 lead. There's one last year against Denver. Like, I've seen this movie before. They always lose, right? They just find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, right? They just, <laughs> it's like me in a showdown. Get on around the horn, Sarah. <laughs> I'm right there. It's like, I'm right there, and I just always find a way to screw it up. I don't know. <laughs> and it's funny that I, I've actually been thinking about that. That kind of like caused a little existential thing for me recently because I've been writing, I've been thinking a lot about Paul George and the condition of being Paul George. And I think he's really good as a as a number one player on a team, but he's such a nice person that when he gets to be the second guy on the team, when he's with Russell Westbrook or Kawhi Leonard, I think he kind of loses himself a little bit. He kind of mm. tries to fit in. He's really good at fitting in with everyone. He's really good at wanting everybody to be happy, and he's very unselfish. I mean, they've 
you know, I was talking to Chauncey Billups about his role. He's a Paul, they're running, they're playing Paul at point guard a lot. And he goes, you know, it's, it's weird with Paul. Like you have to tell him like, Hey, we we're running plays for you, man. Like I know you don't, <laughs> he always says, like, you don't need to run plays for me. Like I'll get mine within the flow of the offense. And Chauncey's like, no, we want you to score. <laughs> like that's, We want, you're our guy. And so I, I kind of get it. Like he's, when, when it is thrust upon him and he has to be the number one, whether he was in Indiana or whether he's here at the Clippers now and Kawhi's hurt, like he's great at it. He can totally do it. But is he more comfortable with all of the spotlight on him? Not always. Like sometimes when he's the number two, I think he kind of blends in and loses him. So I, yeah. I, I wasn't actually surprised at all that he, that he won that last night. He's been great in that. Whenever Kawhi's been hurt, he actually is really good. Ramona, as always, we appreciate your expertise. Thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, uh, try and stay sane through all of the madness, my friend. Thanks so much for coming on. But yesterday yesterday was like four days in one. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know everything that happened yesterday. I was like, I'm dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you, Ramona. Ramona Shelburne, uh, brought to you by uh, AutoZone. Uh, that, good that I can read, Sarah. I figured out how to read today. Get no, you in the wasted zone. it all before the show started. Yeah, we went well, over that, this. That's what happens. You know, <laughs> uh, in order for the Bucks to force game seven, they're going to have to get in the zone. Get in the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. I'm going to learn how to be a professional in the next couple of minutes. And in the meantime, we're going to get you caught up in everything you need the way only we can. Sports Tinder coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel lady Sarah Spain Jason Fitz do not forget subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast wherever you get your podcasts you can check out anything you missed from Spain and Fitz and that way you know if you're not sure what days were on it doesn't matter you just check your phone where you get the podcast bam you can get all the information you need speaking of information I want to get you caught up on a little bit of info on Mets ace Jacob DeGrom an MRI was performed on his right shoulder came back clean so uh, the results were examined by two different doctors. So the team has said they plan to take it day by day with Grom. There's no plans right now to put him on the injured list. They also aren't sure when he'll make his next start. Don't forget. Fitz, I would said. say he was afraid of my Chicago Cubs, a couple oh. of whom had some nice long at bats against him, but unfortunately they got swept. So don't think they were that scary. The amount of trash talking that happens between Mets and Cubs behind the scenes on our show oh, is Mitchell. substantial. It's part of what I watch for. What to watch for? Everybody's got a cousin <laughs> from Boston who forgets their wallet at dinner, but never forgets a sixer of refreshing Sam Adams. Cheers to that. The Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Save the flavor responsibly. That's a little bit of Major League Baseball. What to watch for? All eyes will be on DeGrom as all eyes are on all pitchers. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You can say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Sarah, we got so much to get into. Let's do it with a little fun like we like to do with a little bit of sports tinder. Sports tinder. Got it. It sounds so weird when he says it after I say it. I'm just going to be real. Like I sound like, you know, a very panicked Kermit the Frog and he sounds yep. sensual. All right. So let's start with a little tennis news now that I've said sensual and made everybody uncomfortable. Naomi Osaka uh, has announced she's going to skip Wimbledon, but her plan is to play uh, at the Olympics uh, coming up in Japan, her home country. So uh, she has the opportunity to do that. In the meantime, uh, Rafael Nadal has said he is going to be skipping uh, both Wimbledon and the Olympics to get his body into the right spot because of the timing of the tournaments. So simple question, complicated answer, Sarah. Will both of these human beings, these athletes, be treated the same for missing their respective tournaments? Ah, uh, mm, this is not a difficult one. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> swipe left. Swipe left. 
Yeah, interesting how when Rafael Nadal says he's listening to his body to prolong his career and continue to do what makes him happy, our reaction is usually, yeah, that's understandable. You, you know your body better than everybody else. You should definitely make the right choice for you. But when Naomi Osaka makes statements like that involving mental health more so than physical health, she is considered a diva and all sorts of other names that are not suitable for Disney radio. Fitz, I would like to think and I hope that as we continue to advance this conversation about Naomi Osaka and other athletes in mental health, people will evolve to her side and understand why she would be skipping Wimbledon and get excited for her appearance at the Olympics. But I will not hold my breath. Yeah, I am going to swipe left. I agree with you a thousand percent on this. And look, I think one of the more quietly disappointing parts of this is just the announcement that she's not going to be at Wimbledon. Uh, it makes me wonder what conversations have taken place and what everybody's doing to find some level of common ground on this so that we can put her in the right situation and they can look at their systems and practices and make sure that they're doing what is best for the athletes with their events. I mean, to see that she's bowed out of that to me means that we still haven't made progress on a very important issue that will allow her to be comfortable if and when she chooses to speak. So a lot of work for tennis left to do. All right, let's go to the next story on Sports Tinder, and it involves your Chicago Bears. All right, so the Bears have put a bid out on Arlington Park, which is a racetrack owned by the same people that own the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and that Arlington Park is not in Chicago, but it's still in Illinois. But there is this moment when people see that, that suddenly they think that it means the Bears are trying to give some sort of negotiating tactic as they prepare uh, to figure out what to do with Soldier Field. And that's not enough to get us into sports tinder, Sarah, but Chicago's mayor has decided to speak out on this with a very <laughs> bold tweet that was sent. And I'm curious to get your reaction. First, we'll start with the I don't know if you've seen the entirety yes. of the statement, but uh, I'll let you I go from there. I have it. I will read to you the end of the statement. Uh, she mentions, of course, that they're locked into a lease at Soldier Field until 2033. And the fact that it's coming in the midst of negotiations for improvements at Soldier Field is not lost on Lori Lightford in terms of how this may simply just be a negotiating tactic. But the way she finishes is, as a season ticket holder and longtime Bears fan, I'm committed to keeping the Chicago name in our football team. And like most Bears fans, we want the organization to focus on putting a winning team on the field, beating the Packers finally, and being relevant past October. Everything else is noise. Uh, so, yeah, Arlington Heights about 30 miles, about an hour from Sol from uh, Soldier Field right now in the city. And it wasn't enough to just say, I don't believe you. It was, I don't believe you. And also get back to work and win some games. So do you like the question? Do you like your mayor trash talking your team? Where are you going with this? This was a tough one, but I'm going to swipe right. Swipe right. Yeah, I feel like some people just need a little tough love fits. And the Bears are one of those people. They, uh, I'm okay with it. I think if they're going to make public statements announcing that they've put in a bid for this plot of land and they're trying to use posturing publicly to get their side, then it's okay if the mayor uses public posturing and a little bit of trash talking on her side of things too. We'll see where it, where it levels out. Look, I'm going to swipe up on this. Swipe <laughs> up. Super like. Anytime I got a mayor calling out a team in this process negotiation, especially given the way teams are constantly asking for financial help in these stadium situations, I love the fact that she's being real. And that's all I ever want in this is let's be real, let's be transparent. And she's right. Like maybe, you know, maybe they got bigger things to focus on as an organization right now. I'm just saying. So I love the trash talking uh, seeping in to Twitter between a mayor and a, sit and a team. All right, next up on Sports Tender. 
got a little bit of college football news here. The This year we get the inaugural L.A. Bowl, and uh, I know everybody's excited, December 18th on ABC. Well, it'll be from SoFi Stadium, home of the Rams, and it now has a title sponsor as it will be called the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. That is not a misprint or a joke. So are you in for giving that a bowl? Do you like the good the name Jimmy Kimmel for that bowl game? Okay, let me start by saying I like that he's in on this. One of my favorite things that John Oliver does as a late-night host is extend beyond the four walls of the show and into the real world. He has a sewage plant named after him. He goes and makes mascots that he sends out into the world. So I'm here for the involvement from Kimmel, but as far as the name, i got to swipe down. Swipe down. I hate it. The Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl? Can we get some more creativity? My favorite will always be the fake SNL commercial for upcoming bowl games, one of which was the Fidelity for Loco Life Begins at Conception Bowl, which, by the way, when I Googled that to find out the exact name, mostly what came up was results of me mentioning the Fidelity for Loco Life Begins at Conception Bowl because I might be the only person that found that as funny as I did since all of my search results are the ones that came up. But, yes, Jimmy Kimmel, hilarious. But can we throw in Guillermo's name? Can we throw in some inside joke from the show? Something a little more interesting than just that. I mean, uh, look, I, I like that, but I'm, I like your reasoning. I'm also going to swipe down on it. And realistically, swipe I'm swiping down it. because Kimmel's got all sorts of roots in Vegas. Like, Vegas right. has a bowl game. Make it, if he's going to have one, make it at Allegiant Stadium, not in L.A. Feels like he's cheating on me there. All right, last real quick. Madden's going to have two cover athletes, Brady and, uh, and Mahomes, both on the cover. Can you have a double Madden curse, Sarah? What are you swiping? I'm swiping down. I don't want to be a part of causing swipe any curses. Down. And I'm okay it. with saying that there are no curses for Madden. Plenty of people have been successful. Yeah, well, I'm going to swipe up. Swipe up. Super <laughs> like. Because it's Mahomes and Brady. There's no such thing as a tuck. It was a fumble, and I'm never going to root for Mahomes. <laughs> I need this to happen. I'm going to will it into existence at some point. I'm going to make sure that this happens just so that, frankly, wow. I get a little bit of relief in my life. I'm buying voodoo dolls. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.